Hello. <laughs> Hello, everyone. I don't know how to feel right now. Are, are, are we doing a thing? We're trying. We should be doing a thing. Today has already been full of setbacks, correct? Yes. Yes, it's been full of delays and confusion and chaos. So, well, so just like every other day. Right, yeah, it's pretty much normal par for, for us, the course right? at this point. So we're kind of starting closer to eleven than ten, but yeah, this day has not quite been up to code. Hey, 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 now. So that's as we're talking about parenting today, we're discussing this idea of uh, accountability as parents. <clears throat> I feel like I'm not speaking loudly enough. I should speak up a little bit. Anyhow, as we are are talking about it, the the idea of this up to code thing when we're when we're doing uh, any kind of a building project, you're building a home, which is the the foundation of the of the series we're talking about. Um, there are requirements, and there are inspectors, and you are held accountable for meeting uh, the standards that that uh, are accepted as good and right and safe in your building. And in the same way, uh, God holds us accountable for the parenting that we do. There are expectations that he has, uh, commands and demands, and uh, wanted to kind of wrap this up with this idea because I think it's easy for us to, um, to, to hear the message, to say, oh yeah, that's right, and not take it seriously enough mm. to do something about it. I, I think Word. I think that happens pretty regularly on Sunday mornings anyway. Uh, but we need to recognize that um, God takes parenting seriously. Therefore, we need to take parenting seriously. And he takes it seriously in a different way than what we might in the world, where we have our standards, our expectations, our cultural um, expectations and demands. And these are not the things that the Lord values. And so we want to value what he values because he holds us accountable for that. And so, you know, just the basic core reality of the, of the message this week is that parents are accountable to God for the discipling of their children. Um, that is the primary focus. The primary purpose of our parenting is not to, you know, propagate the race. That is, you know, obviously a pretty significant thing. It's not to, um, just bring functioning adults into society by raising our, our kids uh, right, however you define that. It's not to create great uh, Instagram accounts because our kids are cute and we have uh, lots of cute pictures of them, uh, or to gain ourselves a reputation, to find self-fulfillment. There's all of these different things that, that we put into parenting and reasons why parenting is important. And none of those actually are in themselves valid um, foundations for our parenting. Mm -hmm. the, the, there is joy and self-fulfillment that comes through parenting, through, you know, right, through the raising right. of children. But this is a byproduct of um, doing what God's called us to do. And when we do that, we find that the blessings are rich and full and lasting. And when we do it our way, we find that there that the road is is fraught with trials and tribulations. Fraught. So that's a good word. I like fraught. Fraught. Yeah. Uh yeah. So this was I, I mean, would you say that uh, I don't know how long the series has been, several weeks. Ten weeks. Ten weeks. This, this was the tenth. Yeah, it went by quickly. Um I was originally planning for four. So well, yeah. we all knew that wasn't going to happen. Would you say that this is basically the underlying tone of, of everything that we've been talking about? I mean, ultimately, 
this is being accountable to God for the discipling of our children. That's the whole, the main issue. Here. Yeah. I think it kind of brings it full circle. When we started out in, in the first week, we, we really looked at, at that, you know, the, um, the idea, the whole plan for this, the whole mm -hmm. idea of the foundations is that it's not really about our plan for parenting. Right. It's not what Dr. Spock says or, or, you know, any of the, the books that sell so many things. And I see posts on, my goodness, I see posts on social media and I'm not even on Facebook very often anymore. But I every know, time, all of a sudden, like you won't be on for a month and I'll get like 10 notifications. Yeah, <laughs> right. And then I remember, right. oh yeah, this is why I'm right. on because I just spent 20 minutes and thought it was three. So right. uh, the I, every time I get on, I see more and more memes and posts with garbage, absolute garbage philosophies and advice for parents mm. about uh, our child's self-esteem and how, you know, discipline is, you know, not good for our children. And basically, you know, th this whole free range parenting kind of idea um, which I don't think anybody has said in any of those memes, but that's what I see. Is it makes I, me think of chickens. I, I, that's that's what it reminds me of. Is I just keep seeing these little chickens running around pecking each other, and we just want to boost their self esteem all the time and make them feel good. And then all of the different rants that you and I have had over the years about participation oh, trophies and all these kinds of things, and it's insane. And and we so this idea of God holding us accountable as parents for specifically for the discipling of our children, mm -hmm. not it, it is all the other things as part of that picture, because the, the regular daily discipline that we have is part and parcel of the discipling aspect. Mm -hmm. But ultimately our best plans and efforts only matter if God's behind them. Mm -hmm. So if we're not doing God's thing, God's way, then we can't expect God's blessings. And, and that's what, I see so often in the church is we want wonderful results. We want godly results. We want our children to grow up and have a wonderful experience with the Lord without actually paying attention to what that means. Right. So we want, you know, we want to show up to a church service. This is not even the parenting. This is us. We, we show up at a church service and we want, you know, dynamic preaching right. that makes us feel good. We want, um, you know, songs that that move us emotionally and are, are you know, really well performed and, and all this kind of stuff. Uh, we want relationships with people that never challenge us and are never uncomfortable and awkward. And that is so far outside of reality uh, that it, it, it's a fantasy we can never achieve. Mm -hmm. So then, you know, why do we see people come to churches and leave disappointed or deconstruct as people like to talk about these days uh, or mega churches get filled so, I mean, they're just overflowing with people, but it's also largely a carousel that, right. this, as people are, you know, they're, they're just coming in and out like this revolving right. door where you come, you you have this wonderful experience. It's great. And then you There's don't get discipled. No you don't right. get roots to it. And it's the same dynamic uh, in our personal lives that we, that we then pass on to our children. Right. If we're not going to go deep in our relationship with God, if we're not going to discipline ourselves, disciple ourselves so that we're growing and we're hungering for the word and hungering for righteousness. And, and as we're growing in, in our knowledge and doctrine, we're 
also growing in in wisdom and in love as we apply it and as we demonstrate grace to one another. Have you started watching the new season of One Calls the Heart yet? Uh, the first one, yeah. You've watched the first episode? Yeah. Well, I'm halfway through episode two of the new season, and so I don't know. I'm not going to spoil anything because I don't know what happens, but there's an issue within the episode where the, the preacher in town, uh, Mr. Canfield, his son has started to act out. Um, yeah, they're kind of leading Yeah, that. Yeah, so he started to act out. He's, I don't know how old he is, 11, 12. Old enough to be cute and funny. Right. Those are his kids in real life. Did you know that? I did not know that. Um. Anyway, he started to act out last episode. Now he's whatever. And so this episode, the little boy approaches his mother and asks if he has to go to church. And his mom's like, this week? Or he goes, no, ever. Do I have to keep going to church? Ever. And his dad's the pastor. And so the mom tells the dad that. And he's like, how would that look if, if I'm sitting up there preaching a sermon and my son isn't there? And the, the his wife is like, that's not what matters. So I'm interested to see how that would go, because but it got me thinking about what we've been talking about. I thought it doesn't matter, but it's not the point of what matters. Right, yeah. right. So it's got me thinking about what we've been talking about. I'm interested yeah. to see how they handle that. But it's, you know, I'm interested to see why the little boy doesn't want to go because they haven't flushed that out. But I think that's an issue with wanting to uh, disciple to your children the why comes up a lot. Right. And, and if we don't have that why ourselves, right, if we haven't gotten right. a hold of that, it's really hard to answer those questions. Right. I think that's one of the problems that, that we've seen really for a couple of generations now, at, at least. I'm, probably, I'm sure much more than that. But for the last uh, two or three generations, at the very least, we've seen a lot of folks who don't know why. Right. They, you know, they, they have religion of a form, of a sort, uh, but lacking the the power of a true relationship with Christ. Well, and that's I think the issue with the mega churches often is people are going there and looking for an experience and, and getting and an getting experience. it right, yeah. but then it doesn't really go much deeper than that. I'm not saying that about all mega churches, but a lot. But it is no matter where you go, you're getting like a big show. You're getting right, you know, and and even if the message is good, you're still getting all this stuff that goes along with it to give you a feel good experience. And let me clarify when we, when we use that term mega church in this context. And I don't particularly like the term anyway, but it, it, because it gets used so much, uh, I use it as well. Uh, we're not just talking about churches over a thousand or two thousand people. It's not really about size as much as it is about the the philosophy behind it, the the seeker driven uh, mentality, mm-hmm. which is not the same as being aware that you have unsaved people. It's not the same as having a, a heart for evangelism. It is designing the church, which is biblically comprised of the of, of the believers and the church gathering which is for the believers uh, and you're basing that on the felt needs of the culture and the community and what that does uh, as its root is it then caters to the feelings and whims of of people rather than giving them what they need it gives them what we feel they want Mm -hmm. so that's the idea behind the type of church that we're referring to here as a mega church doesn't just mean big um, but that's the the mentality and and even in that description you can see how that connects to um, what i would call weak parenting where we are concerned primarily with making our kids happy we want to cater to their need to their whims and wants rather than to their needs and any parent knows that what my child needs and what my child wants are often dramatically different things. And when I 
refuse to give them what they want because I need to focus on what they need, that often causes discomfort and conflict and, and all, all manner of uh, difficulty. But that doesn't excuse me from it. Right. That's, you know, if, if I have a, um, you know, a child of any age, but let's say it's a, a toddler or a teenager, because those are pretty parallel pictures right there. And they're, they're growing and expanding their horizons. They're, you know, they're testing things out. And, you know, they decide they're going to push back a little bit because that's when you see the whys come mm -hmm. out a lot, right, for toddlers and teenagers. And they start to question things and they push against it. Well, I've got some options. First off, I need to make sure that I can give the whys. I also need to make sure that they're not, they're not steering the boat here. Right. This is pretty important. First thing, you obey because you need to learn to obey. And then we'll talk about the whys. And if I establish the whys proactively in advance before we get to that, then we can head that off. But what I can't do is just cave. I can't give in right. to, to, you know, well, I don't want my kid to feel bad. I don't want them to feel like an outcast from society by holding to these standards that nobody else agrees to. I don't want to tell my daughter she can't wear that bikini to the beach or that outfit to school because, well, everybody's doing it and I, I don't want her to feel uh, left out. And I don't want to, you know, we use a lot of these terms that sound really good, but are really um, culturally loaded, like body shaming and all these kinds of things. Listen, modesty is not body shaming. That, and modesty is the same for men and women. Not that it's the same, the same, because men and women, the case we've forgotten, are different and they're made different, built different, think different. You can email Pastor but Rich at Real Life. <laughs> please, please do. Although I got to get my email password checked. Uh, anyhow, um, this is this is reality. But when we say, "Well, that's just too hard," we, we we're not going to say that outwardly, right? But in our hearts, that's what it is. It's too hard. I don't want my daughter to get mad. I don't want my son to get mad. You know, when I say, "Look, you can't date that person." Because here's why this this is not acceptable, or you can't date at all until this age, or you can't date at all. Period. Whatever the standard is that that you take there, think it through. Obviously, we don't want to exasperate our children. We don't want to do things out of our own flesh or our own uh, personal whims and desires because we do that too as parents. We do what we want rather than what our children need, and we'll couch it that way. That you know, I'm just doing this because I love you. Yeah, but if I really love you, then I'm going to focus on God's standards, not just my personal preferences. Right. And, you know, parents have the priority in it. That, that's reality. So a parent's preferences trump the child's preferences. And, you know, I, honestly, you know, I, your joke about the email thing, I'll probably offend more people with that comment than with the uh, males and females are different comments. But uh, just... We need to recognize that God gives parents for a reason. Children are not capable of making the decisions that we often assign them to make, which also means, and this is kind of getting uh, off of the discipline area to the example area, our children are not equipped to deal with the garbage of their parents' drama. Hmm. So whatever is going on in our lives, when we get off track, when we are not doing God's uh design when we're not doing life and marriage and sexuality and family by God's design. In other words, it's not a, uh, I have one physically intimate, emotionally intimate relationship for life. 
with uh, a person of the opposite sex. Strange that I have to clarify all these things today. Um, you can email. <laughs> but, <laughs> you know, you didn't always have to clarify, but now we have to. If I'm not having a relationship where I get married as a virgin, I am, you know, one man, one woman for life, then I'm outside of how life is designed to work. And there's a cost to that. There, we talked about that last week. There's God's mercy is greater than our sin, but there are inevitable costs that cannot be refunded, if you will. We can't get those things back. I can't get innocent back, innocence back once it's lost. I can't, you know, you know, have my leg back once it's amputated. All these things. So, uh, if I'm not doing it right, my children have to deal with the fallout of that. Mm-hmm. They are not equipped they're not designed to be equipped to handle the effects of adult sin right they're not and and we keep pushing that adult sin down lower and lower so our kids watching our sitcoms with us or our movies with us with all sorts of adult humor and sexual innuendo and coarseness and crassness we are training them with our entertainment choices by our example what we laugh at they learn to find funny and when we laugh at things that break god's heart when we find entertaining things that christ died to save us from we are training our children against god rather than teaching them the fear of god and and the ways that are right and that's one of those things that we're going to as parents as often as not mess up Mm -hmm. But we need to be aware of it because we will answer to God for it. That's fact. I will answer to God for every careless word, every faithless act that that I have uh, committed as a as a person, and even more so with the weight of being a parent. God will hold us accountable for that. And and we see that the story that we were looking at on Sunday. Uh, is one of the few passages that we've talked about that actually addresses parenting, and that's in 1 Samuel chapter 2, verses 12 to 36. And um, we, I, I, it's funny to me, as I was preparing for this, it kept occurring to me that um, 1 Samuel 2 is, is something that I think every Sunday school kid learned. You know, we had flannel graphs when I was a, a kid of, of Hannah praying for mm-hmm. Samuel, and, and this is the same chapter. But we somehow only teach the story of uh, Hannah praying for Samuel, and Samuel going to uh, to to live with Eli, and and so we hear the Lord calling to Samuel, right? And, and every kid hears that story if you grow up in church, and uh, hear my Lord, you know all the all these things. <clears throat> but then we don't talk about what the message is, the message that the Lord gives to Samuel, who's still a boy at at this time. Uh, I don't know how old, but he's He's described here as a boy ministering. And the message that the Lord gives through this boy to the high priest is you done messed up and your boys are going to die on the same day. And your entire family line is going to be cursed because you've not upheld my name in your parenting and in your priestly duties, which are are parallel parallel and and intersect uh, regularly. And so who we are as parents uh, is the same as who we are in in our professional life. It's the same as who we are in our personal devotional life. It, we are whole people. So Eli, in not um, stopping his sons from their wicked deeds as they are 
uh, fornicating with with women at the door of the temple. Uh, they are are um, stealing from the Lord's uh, sacrifices. This horrifically wicked things, blaspheming God. And as leaders, God holds them particularly accountable. And as the leader of those leaders and the parent of those sons, God holds Eli particularly accountable. So uh, we didn't really get into the, you know, what actually happens. This is predicted here um, by uh, an anonymous man of God. Uh, the In chapter one, we see uh, Samuel receive this message and take it to Eli and tell him. And then uh, in the chapters that follow, we see this actually happen in battle with the Philistines. Both of uh, Eli's sons are killed. When he hears the news, he falls over backwards. And being a, a particularly overweight man, as he does so, the weight of his body snaps his neck and he dies instantly. This is a dark and horrible story. Not, you know, I'm just picturing what the flannel graphs would look like for that, you know. But yeah. Uh, but this whole picture is to let us know, to let Israel know at that time, God's not playing. When God says, this is what I expect from you, this is what I expect from you. Right. And there is a consequence to doing our thing instead of God's thing. We spend so much time as modern evangelical Western Christians focusing on the grace of God, the love of God. It's all okay. You've messed up. And God, I was just telling Shelly as I was listening to some, uh, trying to pick songs for the last week. And and uh, this comes up occasionally as I'm thinking through things, listening to some worship music. It is overwhelming. Pardon me. It is overwhelming how much insipid, me-centered mm. worship music we're putting out. So I love God because he takes care of me. It's all about me. It's not even usually about us. There's, there are very few we songs, uh, which, you know, makes me hunt a little bit. There are some really good ones. Sovereign Grace has some good ones. Uh, Keith and Kristen Getty have some good ones. There are a lot of good ones out there, but you have to hunt because the ones that are popular are your love never fails me. Your, you know, this is about me and God overcomes my, my battle. He fights my battles for me and very little about the fact that I exist for his glory. Anyway, as we're talking about our parenting, our parenting is for God's glory, not for ours, not for our kids, not for societies. All of those blessings come as ancillary benefits to pursuing God's glory. So when we understand that our best plans and efforts only matter if God is behind them and God is only behind them when they are for his glory, according to his instruction, his design, his command, then it makes sense that we are accountable to God for the discipling of our children. And if we recognize, as we talked about previously, that the primary purpose of our parenting is not to raise happy, healthy, functioning kids in society, to get them a great education, to, to you know, have a, a warm and comfortable house. Those are all good things. But our primary purpose is to raise fully formed lovers of God, to disciple them, and we orient our parenting around that discipleship. If we don't do that, if we're not actually focused in on that aspect of it, we've missed everything because that's the point. <clears throat> and that's true not only for Christians. It, it's true for all parents. But only Christians are able to do that because we have to know him in order to uh, to relate him to our children. So there's a lot of... Uh, of wrestling that that we go through and uh i don't know 
you got to take a week off to go to Disney. Any uh, catch up questions? There were some things that you had last week. You had questions that uh, I wanted for us to bring up this week, but because of our delays this morning, we didn't get to. Right. Do our normal so now prep. I've forgotten them all. Yeah. I know. Um, or something to rant about. <laughs> done away with. Yeah, today, so. I miss it. I always miss our rants. Um, no, I, I don't want to, you know, step backwards too much since we're kind of trying to wrap this up here. But um, I think one thing that I've tried to keep in mind throughout this whole series, and especially last week, I think that uh, what happens when things don't go as planned or what happens, you know, even with what we're talking about this week, we're going to mess up as parents For sure. often on the daily. Um, so you have to excuse me. I'm still fighting cold. Um, so if my voice cracks like a 13 year old boy, I apologize. Um, <clears throat> discipling and it feels different when you say, well, I am to be a disciple for other people because in my mind, I instantly think of other adults, mm. but when it comes to your children, you can, I, I can try to do all the right things, even though I will mess up, but I can try to do all the right things and, and set the right foundation. But at the end of the day, what, what scares me, I mean, my son is four, so I don't really have to worry about this at this moment, but eventually he's going to start making more of his own decisions and, sure. and be even more influenced by the world than he is right now. Um, and I can't control that. No, so. he's influenced by Buzz Lightyear. And right, Blippi. right. Which is, I'd rather him not be influenced by Blippi, but I guess there are worse things. There's a lot, um, there's a lot of education. In <laughs> I know. Now he saw an episode of Blippi fixing a sink, so now he wants to be under <laughs> our sink. Um, anyway, but I'm not going to be able to control his decisions as he gets older. And if I th when I saw that episode of When Calls the Heart, and like I said, I don't know how it's going to end. Sure. But that little boy is questioning things and wanting to go a different direction than what his family has always led him in. Yeah. And that scares me as a parent because that could happen in a variety of different ways. And I'm sure I did that to my mom when I was growing up, you know? Right. And so that's one, one aspect of a being a single parent and kind of having maybe different ideals than what a co-parent has or, uh, or, or even just trying to fight against how he'll be influenced by the rest of the world. I worry about what, and I think I brought it up at the beginning of this, having the answers to back things up and having the right response when he does want, he's either questioning or trying to go a different way. Because yeah. you can only do so much. You can't control their every move, especially as they continue to get older and even when they're out on their own. And so that's kind of my underlying worry as a parent. I know we only have a few minutes left here. It's particularly here, but... disquieting as a parent to, to realize that, our our kids are going to do that. I mean, right. That's if we think we're going to have I mean, perfect the best children, laid plans, we know? have no idea what we're talking right. about because there are no perfect children. There are no perfect parents. There are no perfect children, and so kids are going to misbehave. That's natural. Mm -hmm. Kids are going to, as they grow, push. They're going to push the boundaries. They're going to test, you know, and and expand. And that's there is uh, part of that um, that that we often see as rebellion, and some of it actually is rebellion. That is a natural part of the growing up process. Um, and, and we've discussed that at various points along here. But then there is a hard-hearted rebellion that refuses to um, submit. And, and our job is to, to train them to submit, to train out of them, uh, to borrow the term from Proverbs, by the rod of correction, to drive folly from them. And that doesn't mean we just you sit over them, you know, 
smacking them on the wrist every time they do something wrong, but to, to proactively teach them the right to correctively it, proactively teach them the wrong as well so that they avoid it and then correct them and rebuke them when they get off track. But we are not ultimately responsible for the choices they make. We are responsible for the choices we train them to make. Mm -hmm. So like Eli, for example, um, his family line is not cut off and cursed right. because his kids did wicked things. It's because he didn't stop them from right. doing wicked things. He did mention it, he rebuked them, but he didn't take them out of their position. He honored his sons over God. Mm. So when they did wrong, he wanted to be aligned with his sons more than with God. And when we choose our kids' standards or our personal standards or whatever seems good to us over God's way, there's a price to pay for that. We are not ultimately going to answer to God for the, the world our kids grow up in, the right. priorities of the world, and, and trying to fit in with that. That we don't, we don't change the fact, we don't have control over the fact that the world doesn't honor the Sabbath, for example, or doesn't recognize modesty as a good thing. We answer to God for what we do about that with our own kids, with our own household. Uh, we don't answer to God for the for the choices that our children make mm -hmm. when when our kids get off track i don't i don't control that right you know and, and i've got five kids one still at home and all of them at various points have done things that embarrassed me embarrassed themselves right. at least later on when they realized they were embarrassed by it and we we're not responsible for that right. nor are we responsible for other people's opinions right. we, we answer to god well, we will wrap it up there. I'm sure there's more to talk about, but um, if you, as always, if you guys have any questions, you can send us an email at somethingreal at realifonline.org or use Facebook, YouTube, or any other forms of social media we're on. <laughs> or you can leave us a message at 269-756-RLCC or using the Anchor app. And we will catch you next time with a new series. Yeah, it's going to be uh, interesting as we lead into, into Christology going into Easter. So. All right.